All right, welcome back to the listener's commentary on the Gospel of Matthew. In this recording, we're going to be looking at a small paragraph, Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 25. And the reason we're looking at such a small little section is because this really is the beginning of the second major section of the gospel and the setup for the Sermon on the Mount. So in the previous section, Matthew 4, 1 through 17, uh, that really wrapped up part one of Matthew's gospel. And that part was, in a lot of ways, like an introduction, an introduction to the whole gospel, an introduction to who Jesus is, that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah. And we saw all sorts of those uh, themes and those ideas cropping up in the various stories Matthew told in that first part of the gospel. This short paragraph here, Matthew 4, 18 through 25, begins the next major part, which in a lot of ways goes all the way from this moment clear up to uh, the end of chapter 18. And it focuses on Jesus' ministry in the region of Galilee. We talked about this in the introduction, how one of the ways Matthew structures his gospel is geographically. And so you get uh, the large body of the ministry focused on Galilee with almost no mention of the other places. Then he's on the way to Jerusalem and Judea. And then finally he arrives at Jerusalem. And so this large section goes from 418 all the way through the end of chapter 18, but it's made up of several subunits that include four of the five large teaching blocks in Matthew's gospel. So that's sort of the large structure and how this paragraph fits into it. More immediately, in 4, 1 through 17, Jesus' ministry was just getting underway, just getting started. And here, in 4, 18 through 25, what Jesus does is he calls his first disciples, and his ministry really is beginning to take off full force. And so, chapter 4, verse 18, reads like this. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and that's going to be the focus of this next large section that goes up to chapter 18. It's going to focus on Galilee. And so Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee, and verse 18 continues and says, He saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So their family trade, their family livelihood, their family business is a fishing business. They are fishermen by trade. And Galilee was known for its fish and its fishing businesses. And so uh, their family has been in the fishing business for generations. And so as Jesus is launching his ministry, he sees these two brothers casting it into seed. So that's one particular mode of fishing that was done was using a cast net, casting a net into the sea. And then he, he's going to call them to himself. Uh, now, since in the last scene, uh, Jesus moved his base of operations to Capernaum, we talked about that, we'd assume that this happened somewhere off the shore in or near Capernaum. There was actually a good large harbor in Capernaum itself, uh, and so maybe it's just right there at that harbor. Or many scholars also locate this in an area just down the coast at Tabga uh, from Capernaum because that was a major fishing area as well. And at certain times of the year, that was where the fishermen would 
fish particularly because uh, of the kind of warm springs in the uh, seafloor there, the fish would congregate there. So it's maybe in that area, which is just shortly down the, the coast. Maybe it's right in Capernaum, but we're, we're right there. We're um, on the coast of the Sea of Galilee uh, near Capernaum. And Jesus sees Peter and Andrew in verse 19. He said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. A couple things to note. Notice here, Jesus calls them to be his disciples. That's what this is. This is a call to discipleship. Follow me. Come and be my disciple. The usual pattern in Israel was for a prospective disciple to actually come and ask a rabbi to study with him. That was the way it usually worked. The, the student, the one who wanted to be a disciple, would basically say, can I be your disciple? But in this case, Jesus calls and chooses them. That's important. So just pay attention to that. The other thing is, uh, in calling them to be his disciples, notice that it also includes with it a kind of a mission, a vocation. So it's not just come and be my disciple and enjoy being with me, but it's here is the goal that I have for you as my disciple. I will make you fishers of men. You're not just going to fish for fish in the Sea of Galilee. You're going to now become a fisher of men, one who draws people to Jesus and into the kingdom of God. How do they respond to this call from Jesus? Well, look at verse 20. Immediately, notice that, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now, according to John's gospel, they had had some prior interaction with Jesus. When Jesus was down in Judea and coming to be baptized by John the Baptist, John's gospel tells us there had been some interaction between these guys and Jesus himself. And uh, John's gospel suggests that uh, these guys had in some ways been kind of disciples or followers of John the Baptist's ministry down there for a little bit as well. So there had been some previous interaction between them and John the Baptist and Jesus. So even though this sounds like here, it's like just completely out of the blue, there had been some sort of prior connection. But this is a formal call to discipleship. And being a disciple of a rabbi was an honor that, that Jewish boys aspired to. And it seems like these young men, Peter and Andrew, had missed out on this opportunity. They didn't distinguish themselves in school. And so rather than continuing on to uh, rabbinic school, they went and worked in the family trade, fishermen. Uh, so when Jesus comes and makes this call, here is a unique opportunity to join with this new upstart rabbi and learn from him. And they jump at the chance and they leave their nets behind. What do their nets represent? Well, that's their livelihood. That's their family business. And they immediately leave that behind to follow Jesus. Well, the story continues and it doesn't just uh, entail Peter and Andrew, but look at verse 21. Going on from there, he, that is Jesus, saw two other brothers James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother, John, in the boat with their father, Zebedee. So they are uh, fishing as well as part of the family business with their dad in the boat. And at this point, they're actually mending their nets, and Jesus called them as well. Now, we learn from Luke's account, Luke chapter 5, verse 9, that James and John were actually 
fishing partners with Peter and Andrew. So they had a fishing cooperative where they worked together in business and then would take their fish into the marketplace and sell them and provide for their families. And so James, it's not surprising then that we meet James and John here with Peter and Andrew. They were in business together. So I'm picturing this maybe as just, just down the shore a little ways, maybe at another one of the docks in the harbor, maybe in Capernaum, maybe in Tabga. Uh, and what they're doing is they're sitting in their boat, their fishing boat, mending their nets. More than likely, this refers to what, what's called a trammel net. They're still actually used on the Sea of Galilee today. And a trammel net is a long net, usually over 100 feet long, and it's made up of several layers of nets uh, with larger openings and then smaller openings in the net for the fish to swim in, get trapped, and then they could pull them out. And usually a trammel net actually required at least two crews to work. Hence, Peter and Andrew, James and John working together as two crews with this trammel net. And usually mending the nets was done after being out fishing all night. So a trammel net was used for night fishing. And uh, with all those layers of nets, all the debris in the water and things like that, there was work to be done to untangle the net, to remove debris from the net, to uh, repair any holes or tears in the net. So they're sitting there in their boat after a night of fishing, mending their net with their father. And Jesus calls them to become his disciples as well. How do they respond? Well, look at verse 22. Immediately, they left the boat and their father, and followed him. Notice that. The same thing is with Peter and Andrew leaving their nets. They leave their boat, which represents their business, their livelihood, and their father. And this uh, demonstrates that discipleship to Jesus takes priority over the family business and even over their father and his place in their their world and their life, which in their culture, he was the head of the family. He was central, right? And so they leave their boat, they leave their father behind to follow Jesus. Now, before we read the rest of the paragraph, let me just offer a little reflection here. Matthew doesn't go into all the detail of what was involved in leaving everything behind. What about the practical affairs of life? What about their boats? What's going to happen with them? What about their nets? What about their families? We're, we're going to learn before too long that Peter, at least, is already married. And so what about their families? And how are they going to provide for their families and for themselves? All those things were involved somehow. And Matthew doesn't go into all those details. What Matthew wants us to see is, in the way he words this is, the simple act of leaving behind their former livelihood and life to become a disciple of Jesus and to be on mission with him. So their future, including their livelihood, is now tied up with Jesus. And that's what Matthew communicates by telling this story. And what that reminds us is, is that discipleship to Jesus requires a radical and definitive choice. Life as usual or discipleship to Jesus. That's the choice. And following Jesus entails leaving life as usual behind. Following Jesus entails leaving some very concrete, specific parts of life as usual behind and entrusting our life to him. 
And that's what Matthew communicates in the way he tells the story about Peter and Andrew and James and John. And so Jesus has now called his first disciples, his first four disciples. And then Matthew goes on in what follows to give a general summary of Jesus's expanding and growing ministry, the impact of his ministry. And this short little section is actually, in a lot of ways, this setup for the Sermon on the Mount that follows. And so even though there's a chapter break at the end of chapter four and the beginning of chapter five, we can't lose this call of Jesus' disciples and this general description of his ministry, we can't lose the connection of all of that with the Sermon on the Mount that follows. So here's what happens. Verse 23, Jesus was going about in all of Galilee. So he's traveling all throughout the region of Galilee. So he's going about in all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. What's a synagogue? Synagogue was the gathering place for the Jews. And it was the oftentimes like the schoolhouse for the town. It was where they would meet and read the scriptures and pray together on the Sabbath. It was like town center in a lot of ways. And a visiting rabbi such as Jesus uh, would have an opportunity to teach from the scriptures in the synagogues. And so Jesus is doing that. He's traveling from town to town to town and going into their synagogues, and he's teaching. And what is he teaching in their synagogues? Well, notice what Matthew says in the next part of verse 23. He says, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness among the people. Notice that when Matthew summarizes Jesus' ministry, he summarizes it as consisting of two main activities, proclaiming and healing proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of sickness among the people. So that's Matthew's summary. And notice what he's proclaiming is the gospel of the kingdom, right? The word gospel we've said means good news. It's announcing news. So it's not a code, it's, right? It's announcing news. So Jesus is going about announcing the news, specifically good news of the kingdom, that is of God's reign. Uh, of God's kingship and God's rule and God's reign, now breaking into the present. That's what he's proclaiming. And this reflects the, uh, the ancient hope among the Jews that you find in the Psalms and in the prophets, summed up, for example, in Isaiah 52.7. In Isaiah 52.7, the good news of salvation is associated with this declaration, your God reigns. Your God reigns. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's proclaiming that God is coming as king in Jesus through his ministry. God's reign, God's rule, his kingship is coming. And this is an important reminder to us that, that of what really lies at the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is not my sin and me getting saved or me going to heaven when I die. Uh, not that those are unimportant or those aren't maybe some effects of the gospel, but at the heart of the gospel is the fact that your God reigns. That in Jesus, God's kingdom, his reign and kingship is coming into the world through Jesus' work and Jesus' ministry. And then in verse 24, Matthew continues his kind of general summary about the ever-expanding impact of Jesus' ministry by saying this, And the news about him spread throughout Syria, 
Syria is a Roman province to the north of Galilee. So way up to the north of Galilee in Gentile lands, it's spreading throughout that whole region. And down into Galilee, down into this area, and they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering various diseases and severe pain, demon-possessed, people with epilepsy, people who were paralyzed, and Jesus healed them. So he's proclaiming the news that God's kingdom is coming, and as evidence of that, uh, as signpost towards that, as evidence of his authority, he's healing people. He's casting out demons. He is healing people who are paralyzed. He's healing people who are sick. He healed them. And so for Matthew, these two activities really get at the heart of Jesus' ministry, proclaiming the kingdom and healing those of various ailments and diseases. Matthew continues in verse 25 and says, and large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Note all the regions in the summer. We've already heard Syria mentioned in verse 24. Now we get Galilee. We also get the Decapolis, which refers to the ten cities, which was east of the Sea of Galilee. It was a whole region kind of to the southeast of the Sea of Galilee. We get Jerusalem, the capital city uh, down south, and Judea, the political region around that. And then we get even from beyond the Jordan. That's the east side of the Jordan River. In other words, we're pretty much covering the whole coastline of the Eastern Mediterranean. This whole massive little region, Jesus's ministry is reverberating out and crowds are coming to him from all over the place. And this is where Matthew 5 picks up. And this really is, in a lot of ways, the setup for the Sermon on the Mount. So we can't miss this, even though there's a chapter break at this point, because chapter 5, verse 1 picks up with, when he saw the crowds. And that's the lead-in to the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus' ministry now is really fully underway. It is growing. It is becoming well-known. Uh, he himself is becoming well-known. And his ministry is really taking off as he proclaims and embodies the kingdom of God. All right, thanks for tuning in to this session on the Listener's Commentary. The Listener's Commentary is a listener-supported, crowd-funded Bible teaching ministry that's made possible by the generosity of people like you. So thanks a ton for your support. Thanks a ton for making this ministry possible. Thanks a ton for the fruit that God is bearing through your generosity. And if you have been impacted by this ministry in some way and want to join the team of supporters, you can swing over to listenerscommentary.com. You can either click the Give button, and that'll redirect you to a page where you can set up a uh, one-time or a recurring monthly donation through World Family Missions website, an umbrella organization uh, which provides some financial support to this ministry. Or you can sign up for the Study Hub, give what you can afford there, and all monthly donors, whether through the sign-up for the Study Hub or through World Family Mission, all monthly donors get access to some of the bonus material inside the Study Hub. Uh, things like my online courses, maps, charts, pictures, and other resources to help you dig in and study the Bible for yourself. Thanks a ton for your support.